Brian and Jen podcast. She is the original, opinionated, objectively, occasionally odd, Jennifer Horn. Oh, thank you. When you're not those wonderful things, uh, I will say observance as well. You are the... How about an optimist? How about that? How about that? I like O words. She is only optimistic. <laughs> Obviously. <often> odd, objectively. <laughs> you're conservative crusader. Oh, thank you. And you, my friend, sometimes <laughs> odd, sometimes misguided, but always lovable and always liberal. Thank you. I love you, too. And President Trump absolutely loves you. It is our lovable liberal. I call him the man of a thousand voices. It's Brian Whitman. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. And you have the studio audience. Some people are called odd. We do this live. I mean, even in it's amazing how magically during COVID we can still get a group of people that sounds about what, 20 deep? In the All here in one place. Remember when President Trump would come out to the press conferences, the briefings? Your real social distancing is so important. And then one day he said to the White House media, Probably should remove about 80% of you and get you out of this room. It was very funny. It was uh, great. Are you kidding? Because the next thing that came was... You're fired. Yeah, yeah beat shit. it. <laughs> now, we have here some counting going on. Yes, a whole lot of counting going on. What are you counting on? Oh, well, I count on a calculator. So that's 67,146,211. Oh, these are new, but where'd they come from? Joe's basement? <laughs> Subtract eight million. Okay, so the president's counting on his calculator. We also yes. we brought in some really well some experts here. Let's check in with our staff, shall we? Counting. That's the right. Accounting, the accounting and, firm uh, of Dewey, Cheatham, and How. Exactly. And of course, uh, our very favorite. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two. I love counting whatever the amount. <laughs> There's a problem. Sesame Street is so liberal. <laughs> the count right there, he's like the number one counting guy. He stops at four. So if you have more than four votes, which, trust me, I have. He doesn't <laughs> even go higher than four. So bad. Now we have the well, gala. We have a couple of counts that are being put on hold. Now hold on, count. Because... <laughs> Because of some lawsuits that are being levied. <laughs> exactly right. It's a, no, it's, a, it's yeah. right. I mean, uh, you know, Rudy Giuliani walks in. Yeah, now hold, hold on, Count. Yeah. yeah step back, Count. Hold on a second here. Just a second. A six, seven, eight, sixteen, seventeen. Serious stuff here. Okay, so what we're doing is not we're doing. We're talking about what they're doing, and hopefully, what they're right. doing in Michigan, in Wisconsin, in Pennsylvania, in all of these great states, great people. They have a lot of votes. And, I suffice yeah, to say. As we as we talk to you today, and we can just tell you where we are as we record this podcast, and that is depending on the media outlet that you are watching, President Trump has two hundred and thirteen votes in uh, for in the column, at least from Fox News and some of the other media outlets who have awarded Arizona to Joe Biden. He is at two sixty four, which would mean he only needs those six votes that could come from Nevada, some of the other states we can talk about, but other media outlets have. Joe Biden at 253 if they have here's not awarded those 11 votes from Arizona to his column yet. And here's what's definitely true as we record and as we know now the podcast. Both of these candidates, the president of the United States and the former vice president Biden, the numbers they have right now 
they have something in common. Both of those numbers, in order to be the president, need to be goosed a little bit. Yeah. Those numbers need to go up a little bit. Now, the question that is answerable is that it appears, well, it is true. The numbers being reported right now show Joe Biden, the former vice president, has to add fewer electoral votes than President Trump. Now, the Trump legal team is doing a number of things, and it is their right to do it. This is an American election of a U.S. president. It, w- it is the right of the former Vice President Biden to exercise uh, his legal options, of course. 100%. And I think both of us feel the same way about this. I think both of us feel like if uh, either campaign, with, a, with an election this close, Brian, either campaign is totally justified in asking some questions. There have been some irregularities. There is evidence of some voter fraud. And even without that, there are razor sharp, I mean, razor tight margins on mm-hmm. so many of these states. It's not even just one state. I mean, you're talking about seven states that we're still talking about. Arizona, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, North Carolina, Georgia. I mean, these are still states that um, are very much in play. And I think of interest to both campaigns. It's not like they can just write this off because this is the the difference maker for these two campaigns. That's right. And it's not, and, and I agree with you. And it's not Two campaigns. It's not two people. It's not Donald Trump and it's not Joe Biden. Whereas on the surface, of course, we look at it, we hear it. It is. They're competing. But these candidates, these votes, these ballots represent us. They represent millions and millions and millions of Americans with hearts and minds and and judgment. And they have cast votes for someone to lead the nation. And I understand it feels like, oh, it's Biden and Trump, Trump and Biden. They're, They're battling it out. No, they each represent the will, the the desire, the vote of all of us who did vote. Yeah. And this is sacred. In America, I think from my civics class, it's probably the most basic thing about this great country. And I think even more than than that, look, I make no secret about the fact I'd love to see another four years of uh, President Trump. I think you'd probably like to see four years of Biden. But what matters here is about whether or not people trust the system and the integrity of our vote, the integrity of the election, our right to a free and fair election. So I my hope as we sit here today is that the states that are being questioned about that, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Arizona, Nevada even, that those states come forward with transparency because mm-hmm. already you're going to have 50 percent of the country because this race was so close – really doubting the legitimacy of whomever comes out the winner, right? Trump's been through this for four years. Biden will have this around his neck where people will doubt the winner. They'll say, how did he get here? We went to bed on election night and President Trump was winning. How did we get here? They'll have all of those concerns. And so it's really up to the states now to provide clear transparency to try to bring people's faith back into our system. Jen, uh, at the start of the Brian and Jen podcast here, uh, we called you an optimist. We agreed you are. And you are an optimist. You're very optimistic. I will admit on this issue I'm a pessimist. Why? Because two decades ago – I'm not that old, but I guess I'm pretty old. I wasn't in this room, but I was talking on the radio two decades – two – 20 years ago. Yeah. And the states weren't Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania. It was the state of Florida. Right. And the U.S. presidency came down to, I believe, it was 537 votes between then Governor George W. Bush and then Vice President Al Gore. Mm-hmm. And the nation had a conversation about securing ballots and voting as we elect our leaders. And here we are, two decades later, after uh, more than a couple very close elections, and the mechanisms or the certainties in place to make sure that voting is secured 
you're, you're right. The candidate who goes forward goes forward with a feeling that that candidate is not for half the country or whatever, our president. And finally, it took the magnitude of an attack like September 11. Yeah. How terrible people forget for how divided people to we were. get behind George W. Bush. Yeah. And and the and so we need to be confident that our votes are counted. And I'll just throw this out. There as a policy issue. National uniformity. We have 50 states holding 50 different elections under different standards for the states police their own elections and they all don't do it the same. Mm-hmm. And as much as I'm for, for for states' rights, and I think that states should have some control in how people vote because they have unique circumstances. But all in all, the idea that we're counting votes three days, five days after an election day, the fact that we implement, and this is what I was worried about with universal mail, and not that my guy was going to lose. I was worried that we be in the position that we're in today where it's there's different sets of rules in every state and certain we're going to be arguing over postmarks. I mean, this is this is not we are this we're is arguing not, now. They're right. arguing now over postmarks. I mean, this is not how I feel like we need to go. But in any case, this is where we are. This is the situation. And I was going through uh, some articles and Axios, not a liberal rag at all. Um I'm sorry, not a liberal rag, not a conservative rag, and sometimes leaning liberal, but they're an inter- they do interesting pieces and they have interesting takes on stuff. And I was looking through uh, the day after Election Day, and they had an article, their big thing, they do their one big thing. And their one big thing for the day after Election Day was Trump Almighty. And so I thought, okay, what is this all about? I thought maybe they were going to take him to task. But what they said is that win or lose, President Trump overperformed, right? I mean, we've all had the the laugh at the expense of the pollsters. I believe this is dangerous. This this totally off base polling that put Joe Biden eleven points ahead or Susan Collins twelve points down in her race in Maine. I mean, the pollsters got it all wrong. Seventeen points up for Biden in, in Wisconsin. I think that's dangerous because I do think, in some ways, it does suppress the vote. That being said. They say that President Trump overperformed, and this is what creates Trump Almighty. They say that he's more powerful than ever in the GOP because he defied expectations for himself, win or lose. He defied expectations. This is a high voter turnout in a close election. People thought if it was high voter turnout, it would be all Biden all day. He lifted fellow Republicans to surprise victories in the House and to the Senate. And they say that it matters because he had this hold on Republicans going into the election, but many started to try to separate themselves a little bit as Election Day neared. And now President Trump looks like he really understands his base. He looks like he understands those 50 percent of the country, give or take, that support President Trump. He understands their needs, and he was able to uh, to help bring Republicans to successes that they were not counting on this time around. Jen, here on the podcast, I'm going to say, and it would be very clear, it is too early to even – well, it's not too – it would think about – because I thought about it earlier today. But it is too early because President Donald Trump is not a former president right now, and we don't know right now after right. the first of the year. Anything can will, happen. <laughs> that's exactly right. There is no denying that President Trump, candidate Trump, even before he won back in 2015 and 2016, is a person, is a – forgive me, say not a politician. He is a, he is a leader. He is that who has without a doubt 
gotten the interest uh, into politics, whether it's plain spoken, if it's too much honesty, if it's a little too blunt, or if you're me, it doesn't feel right. Sometimes it's offensive. But listen, all of this reaction, mm-hmm. we, and, and he has raised the interest, and I don't mean this in a superficial way. He has actually activated the, the, uh, the, the energies of people who I know in my life, Jen, who have never talked about politics or leadership or policy, heaven forbid, in the years and years I've known them. But this president, for better or for worse, is he still president, former president? We don't know yet. They're counting. The legacy, certainly, it's too early to write. But I look in the future, it will say in the first paragraph something to do about his ability or his innate thing where every day he's in the news what he says matters to people they react to him and he is a compelling personality and by the way he is a leader for millions of people and he really increased political engagement and still increases political engagement whether it's the people who rush to defend him or the people who want to push him off a cliff people are more engaged that's why we saw this record high turnout i mean think about this records were set when obama ran as the first african-american president in 2008 Joe Biden has already, at this time of of our recording, already surpassed the numbers by a lot, a couple of million votes over Obama. And President Trump is just around the corner in the popular vote after they assess some of these states in in passing that number as well. Both of these candidates did it. Razor thin margins. We are divided. But here's the claim from Axios. They say – that whether or not Trump, if he wins or if he loses, if he does lose, they say he may actually use this as an, as a catalyst to run again in 2024 because he feels, and I would imagine 50% of the country will feel, that this election was stolen unless these states can provide ample reason why he is not the winner. Now, if that's true, he could win again. But then I started thinking to myself, does he want to do that again? He's a man of a certain age. Does he want to run again in four years? Maybe he does. But maybe thinking, it's a, there. Maybe there's a space for him to run a media company. He talks so much about fake news and the media. It would be a huge and powerful platform for this president to take. From the outside, looking in at the personal life of, of, of President Trump, who is a person, Donald Trump, it seems to me that the result of this election hanging out there, and we'll know, but. The job he had before this one seemed to be a pretty well-paying, pretty good job. But I don't even know so, if it's about the well-paying. I really not. think that he can actually – he wants to do good, and I think he feels – he's look, he's not shy in the ego department. He feels like he is the one who's positioned to save us. And you know what? In some ways – well, actually, in almost all ways, he saved the Republican Party. And, and, a lot of- and I think we give him – if we don't give him credit for that um, – and I don't mean you because you are a liberal and you're a Democrat and you're proud. But as Republicans, if we don't say that he did not save the Republican Party, we are I'll say this to you, but my final thought. Yeah, I'm a, I didn't vote for President Trump. Never have. I can never tell you he's not a consequential figure who matters because look at all the emotion he's brought out of me. Yeah. He matters if we're all doing this, right? And uh, he no was uh, – the reason there was so much fight against him is because he was an effective and is an effective president. Again, we see how this all filters out. Uh, we don't know yet the outcome, but certainly the impact of the Trump presidency is going to be felt for many, many years in this and country. And whether or not it will come to a conclusion on January 20 of 2021, I we do not know. I need four more years, Whitman. Four more years, I need right? four more years. Eight four if you'll give votes. them to me. We can count four more. Just four more. <laughs> give me four from his. Okay, we thank you for joining us here. It's the Brian and Jen Podcast.